0: You are now listening to Bigfoot and Beyond, featuring the OG bad boys of Bigfoot, the Dr. Heckle and Mr. Jive of Squatchology, the Chip and Dale of Bigfoot, and I'm not talking about the cartoon. Please welcome your hosts, the Bigfoot celebrity couple Biff Klobo, better known as Cliff Berrickman and James Bobo Fay.
1: Hey, Cliff, how's it going up there? You got clear skies, you're breathing a bunch of smoke. It's going pretty well because
0: the skies are more or less clear. It's a little clouded, and, not clouded, it's a little smoky today. The wind's shifted, but there's no fires very close. Uh, I think the nearest biggest fire is the Bull Complex down in Bull of the Woods Wilderness area on the Kalawash which is burning a really, really good Bigfoot area right now. But um, that's, you know, 30 miles away or something like that. Um, So we're not getting the brunt of it. It doesn't look like there's any evacuations of my home or the museum in the near future if everything holds like this. So I'll keep my fingers crossed. But what
1: about down there with you? Yeah, Willow Creek, man. I mean, there was a talk about who was going to go rescue the footprints. The Bigfoot Museum at Willow Creek has a fire right on its doorstep. I, I haven't actually seen in the last... Probably eighteen, twenty hours. What the update is, but it was it was looking pretty scary. Well, and I think by the time this episode airs,
0: mo- hopefully all that would have been over. Um, but God, if it's not, then Willow Creek's in a heap of hurt. How ironic would that be if the casts at the Willow Creek Museum got all burnt? Because that's how we lost a lot of Titmus casts originally. Remember, Titmus was Bob Titmus had a boat that he was living on for a while, and that boat burnt, including all the um, all the data and research and evidence that he had collected and sank. So, how ironic would that be if all
1: of Titmus's stuff went up in flames at some point? I love me some Bob Titmus. That's a pretty dumb place to store important things on a boat, an old rickety boat. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, a,
0: a fire on a boat is one of the last things you would expect. But I, it happens. It's the biggest fear
1: on any boat is fire. It's your, <laughs> you're surrounded by water, but your biggest fear is fire. Yeah, ironic. There's a lot of irony going on. Before I forget, I wanted to uh, ask people if they could send some good thoughts and prayers to our good buddy, Jeff the Crypto Hulk Steward down in Texas. He's a guest on our show. He got a bad uh, medical diagnosis and... So we're all pulling for him. He's a great guy, just salt of the earth. And so if you got a few extra prayers, and you throw them out for Jeff. Yeah, great guy. He's a friend of the show. He's been a,
0: um, a guest on the show before. He's been a guest on Finding Bigfoot as well. Super great guy. So all of our love goes out to you, Jeff, and pulling for you, man. Good luck with that. Yeah. Uh, well, shoot. So what are we talking about today? Today is another Q&A session where our listeners get to ask us questions, anything they want. Hey, and by the way, if you're hearing this, you're a listener too. If you have a question for us, anything at all you want to ask us, you can submit it through our contact on our website. If you go to www.bigfootandbeyondpodcast.com and push the contact button, you can submit a question and maybe we'll read your name on the air and answer your question like the next time we do this. We're going to do it about once a month. It's a lot of fun for us. We've got a lot of positive feedback on these episodes pr- previously. So if you want to be part of this, go ahead and go to www.bigfootandbeyondpodcast.com and click the contact button and ask us whatever you want. As sarcastic as you want, as, as holier than thou as you want, as mean and nasty as you want, or as nice and loving as you want. We prefer those. But anything you want, and maybe we'll read your question on the air and talk about it. And no more questions about how why I'm so handsome. Yeah, Bobo's tired of that. Honestly, like I, I'm I'm surprised that the Bobo will even listen to that anymore. Like uh, uh, the man's beautiful. Leave him alone. I'm through with it. Through with it. He's going to show you his ugly side, which is still far more beautiful than most people. Well, it's the first question we got. All right, let's 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 get in here. I'll go ahead and give you the question. This question is from Daniel Robinson. Hey, guys, here's my question for your Q&A. When on Finding Bigfoot did you ever have to follow a dialogue script? I attended the South Carolina Town Hall and found that you guys had no script. So I was just wondering if it was all winged or scripted. Thanks. Love the
1: podcast. They tried to script stuff. And I used to tell them, Cause they try Cause they were so used to working with like whatever quote unquote reality shows where they would, they would just feed them lines the whole time. Like they'd, you know, they'd tell them what to say. So they were so used to like having to direct people and write the dialogue. And I, we didn't need it. We, cause we knew what we were talking about. So we just would, and I, if I was going to, i might be ready to say something. And then they'd say, Hey, Bill, we'll say this. I'd be like, I was going to say that, but since you said that, I'm not going to, because I'd just tell them, don't ever tell me what to say, or I, I won't say it. Even if I was going to say it, I'm not going to say it now.
0: Yeah, you're pretty stubborn about that stuff. Yeah, and, and, and Bo- they, would not te- they wouldn't script anything. Frankly, they're not going to be able to speak like us anyway, as close as we ever got. Or I'll speak for myself because I wasn't at every episode. I wasn't at every interview. Um, as close as any of the producers ever got to scripting something for me was, um, I, like a producer might say, Hey, Cliff, okay. Yesterday we, we had those footprints and then, um, but we have this forest situation over here. Can you say something to connect the, the uh, presence of those footprints to that forest where we found them? And then I said, oh, yeah, I can do that. Sure, no problem. Um, they would ask me to maybe connect two things, but they would never tell me how. They would never tell me to ask me to lie or tell me to lie. They would never do anything like that. They would say, can you connect these two things? And I'll be honest with you. Sometimes I said, you know, no, there's really no way to connect those things as far as I can see. Um, and they might suggest something, and I would, could either go with it or not, and very often not the producers found very quickly that we were not very receptive to having words put in our mouth and Bobo would just downright refuse. I would say other things they didn't ask me to say. We're, we just weren't that kind of cast. So.
1: Yeah. So what's the next question here? You know what? I got to get my glasses and I, I gotta, get, I, I moved, I, I gotta get my uh, plug in to charge my phone. Cause this drains it's, it's so fast. On, so I'll be right back. I was right here. So Bobo has to get his glasses and his hair plugs. Okay. All right. Got your glasses on? Yeah. Okay, now I can see. Got your hair plugs in? (laughs) Yeah. Okay. So CeCe Hernandez asks us, I'm a fan of your shows and podcasts. The quest for Sasquatch has always intrigued me. My question is, have you considered the possibility that Bigfoot does not exist at all? I guess my question is, have you guys ever doubted yourselves? Love you guys. No, we do not doubt.
0: I've doubted myself um, sometimes, to be fair, just because like, well, God, what was that one? And maybe I don't know what that animal sounds like, or could that have been an elk whistling or something? I, I think it's important to kind of double guess your, your own assumptions. I think that's important. Um, but I don't, I don't think I've ever doubted sasquatches exist since I became familiar with the evidence. Um, It seems a preposterous idea that all this evidence happens to exactly align to the presence of a non-human primate of some sort walking around in the woods. The thousands of people we've spoken to, the footprint casts, uh, the data set that is internally congruent, showing the same morphology no matter when or where by whom the footprints were cast. The handprints that are also congruent, even though there's a lot fewer handprints on record. Just You go on and on and on. The evidence is so clear. I, I always argue, with very few exceptions, the biggest skeptics are the ones who are least familiar with the evidence. So I don't think I've ever doubted it once I became familiar with the evidence. To me, the evidence says it all. It satisfies my doubts. But I think it's important to doubt yourself and always continue to ask questions. Could I be wrong? I think a really interesting question, Bobes, and I don't know if you've ever asked yourself this. I caught this online somewhere. Um, Somebody asked, what would it take for you to think that Sasquatches were not
1: real and you've been wrong all this time. I think that's a really interesting question. I don't because I've seen them. I know they're real. Yeah. I mean, you don't have to see one to believe they're real or know they're real. I mean, just if you study enough, if you study the evidence enough, you don't need to have seen one, but when you have seen one or for me, the most compelling thing uh, for me was when I had my first for sure encounter, the one I had, I've told that story a hundred times where I was sitting out there in that meadow they got bluff charged i never saw him but that was there's nothing nothing it could have been at all like that was for me that was more impactful than any of my sightings but when you see it and you have a undeniable encounter it doesn't matter like that thought it's just not a reality like they maybe they don't exist it's like no they exist like that's not the question isn't do they exist or not the question is what are they Yeah, and how they exist. That's what I'm most interested in, really. So I guess an interesting
0: question is like, let's just change the words on uh, Cece's question here. Have you ever considered the possibility that dogs do not exist at all? Nope. Pretty sure they do. All right. Next question. Question. (laughs) Okay, this question comes from Barbara Jane Gardner. Here it is. Have either of you ever seen a photo or video of a Sasquatch that is better quality than the Patterson-Gimlin film? Better, I don't know about better, equal quality. I, I have that one from Oklahoma that I, th- I find very intriguing that I think is legit. But that's a still. That is a still, yeah. But you know, it does say a photo or a video, so that's in there. So yeah, I have seen a photo um, that I think is every bit as good as um, a still from the Patterson-Gimlin film. But other, just just one just one, I guess. But I've heard of other ones. I've heard of videos and all these amazing things, but none none have ever been put in front of my eyes.
1: I did talk to several people that saw that game camera that was destroyed. Those sheriff deputies had a hunting lease up in Oregon and uh, I think it was Rick Knoll. Rick Knoll and a couple of other guys saw it and they said it was just an amazing about eight still shots eight seconds apart. I mean, it was eight seconds, one second intervals, so there's eight shots of this thing walking up a game trail on Broadway. You could see it's abdominal muscles ripping like it's oh, just muscles you know it's like one of those cartoon way that they're looking Bigfoots that walked up and just destroyed the camera like the last thing you saw is this oak branch swinging right at the camera like at 100 miles an hour what about that one? We we don't want to say who has it, but there is that one
0: photograph from Washington that looked extraordinarily intriguing, just like really interesting—a big, tall, skinny-looking thing, um, plain, just out standing out in the open, broad daylight. From I don't know, we never, nobody ever did the measurements or did any, you know, appropriate follow-up on it or anything. But it was probably sixty yards from the camera. That one looked really good. You saw that one, Bobo?
1: That one, okay, that is maybe better than the PG film just because there's no way that's a human in a suit. No. First time I saw that, I said, you know that if that's fake, that's
0: the best fake I've ever seen because I don't see how a person in a suit could fill it out. It's just so weird and lanky and and just so weird. Yeah. I think, I think that's legit. That was a
1: still from like a minute, something long video too, from an iPhone from, yeah, I don't think it was 60 yards, dude. It was like 25 yards. Yeah, I'm telling you, when
0: when Sasquatches are proven to be real animals, um, there is going to be an avalanche of photos and videos that people have been sitting on for years or decades in some cases. That uh, if they would have just put it out, you know, shared it, um, so many people would have been so much more convinced early on. There's just going to be an avalanche of new evidence when after these things are proven to be real.
1: Yeah, it's like those pictures from Alaska taken in the mid '70s that uh, Robert Ali has. Um, they're not his, but he uh, he showed them to me. And they they won't release them, what is that, like 45 years later because they're still worried about their reputations or, you know, this or that. I'm like, it's a 45-year-old photo, like a series of photos of a Bigfoot exploding out of a river charging up the bank. And it it looks, you know, like the classic gorilla sort of style, but it's, it's you know, in, in Canada. Yeah. I'm t- telling you, people are sitting on some amazing stuff
0: because they're worried about what people think of them you know what? These things are real animals. I think it's time to get over all that stuff. Don't worry about your reputation because you're right. If you're not lying, You are correct about these things. So just put it out there. Share what you have and let the Bigfoot community, you know, and then the pit of vipers that we are, you know, get all nasty and throw mud your way. Who cares if you're right and telling the truth, you have nothing to fear. So a bunch of 'er ne'er-do-wells sling mud at you. Who cares what they think? Again, if you're right and telling the truth, you have nothing to fear. The truth can withstand the scrutiny.
1: Yeah. All right. I guess we can take the next one. See, so Ralph Molesworth. Question. I am of the opinion that Bigfoot population is dwindling. I believe that if you went 100, 200, 300 years ago, they were much more common in North America and elsewhere. Because I believe they're declining, it seems likely that they're headed for extinction. Therefore, if we don't soon get a hold of one or otherwise, prove their existence, we may never, your thoughts, I disagree completely. I think there's more now than there was 100 years ago. I say that
0: there's an absence of evidence in either case. I, I think that I don't think there's any shortage of them, that's for sure. I mean, they aren't a very plentiful species to begin with, probably just a few hundred in even the most populous states, you know, three, four, or 500 in California or Washington or Oregon or something. Uh, but still, that doesn't mean they're in danger of going extinct. It seems to me, if I remember right, the, the magic number for big animals like cheetahs and presumably Sasquatches, when they dwindle to about 300 or so, you start running into genetic difficulties but there might be 300 or 400 in Oregon. So I I think the real danger with Sasquatches going extinct would happen in places like Florida, where um, it seems like Floridians, and uh, they seem to be really interested in paving everything everywhere. And so what they're doing is isolating populations and therefore isolating the gene pools. So I think that that causes some concern for Sasquatches or people who care about Sasquatches. But other than that, man, if they can walk there, they're going to get there and interbreed. So I don't think there's any concern about them going extinct. But you, why bubble tell why do you think there's more of them now? And you might be right by the way. I'm not saying you're not, but I'm curious your thoughts.
1: There's so much more forest now. I think what is there, 75% more forest now than there was in 1900 just because all that marginal farmland reverted back to forest like in New England especially and lots of other places you know like the Carolinas and uh places that had farms up in the mountains that just, you know, they don't farm there anymore. That's all forest now that I think. Just like all the other upper primates and lower primates, I mean, just primates in general, all the diseases that racked the Native Americans and indigenous people in South America and Asia and Africa, Europeans introduced, it hammered a lot of those monkey and ape populations. And I think the same thing happened, I, I guess, that if all the Indians were getting it, I wouldn't doubt that it went through the Bigfoot community at some level also. Yeah, they are masters of social
0: distancing, as we know, though. So, would one uh, you got to wonder if one family group would be if some disease would be easily spread to another? And like, what I don't know. There's a lot of questions, I guess. You know, we have. Lot, I don't know would be an appropriate answer for a lot of this, but there's a lot of speculation to be done. You know, speculating to be done. Yeah. Which is part of the fun of all this, too. I mean, it's a lot of fun to kind of let our imaginations go and ask, what if this? And then see what the data suggests. You know, see if uh, there's any evidence at all or uh, what the evidence evidence might point to. Stay tuned for more Bigfoot and Beyond with Cliff and Bobo. We'll be right back after these messages. This portion of Bigfoot and Beyond with Cliff and Bobo is sponsored by BetterHelp. That's H-E-L-P. BetterHelp. Com. So is there something preventing you from reaching your goals? Like, you know, do you want something else? Is there something that's interfering with your happiness? Well, check out betterhelp.com Bigfoot. That's betterhelp.com Bigfoot. BetterHelp will assess your needs and match you with your own licensed professional therapist. A licensed professional therapist, and this is an online service. Connect in a safe and private online environment. It's so convenient and it is private, no one's going to know but you and your licensed professional therapist. You can start communicating with this therapist in less than 48 hours. In this sort of COVID environment where everybody's accessing their friends and work online, it just makes sense that something like BetterHelp would rise to the surface. The service is available for clients worldwide. So to find the particular expertise you need online, don't limit yourself to the counselors located near you. I want you to start living a happier life today. As a listener, you're going to get 10% off your first month by visiting our sponsor at BetterHelp.com. Dot com. That's better H E L P help. help. BetterHelp.com slash Bigfoot. Join over one million people who have taken charge of their mental health. Again, that's betterhelp. That's H-E-L-P.com slash Bigfoot. Okay, here's the next question. It's from Zach Rada. Why do people see these Bigfoot moving like spiders? And then you see Patty, who just looks big, slow, and heavy? I don't see Patty moving like that. Well, you know, first of all, she's not moving that slow and she's not in a big hurry. And I think they've actually clocked it because they know about how how far she walked and, and about and how long it took. It's like five or six miles an hour. And that's a pretty good gait. You know, I think on a good day, I probably walk three miles an hour.
1: <laughs> it was like a human jogging speed.
0: Yeah. And, you know, apparently she, I mean, what would be the use of moving like a spider in that case? It was broad daylight. She's out in the middle of of nothing, you know, out in the middle of the, um, the, the sandbar there. Uh, she's actually in the river when they first saw her, and then she started walking across the sandbar. Um, but what, what her behavior is, I think is uh, uh, interesting because some skeptics like say, why why didn't she just run off into the woods? Well, the woods weren't that close. First of all, it's quite a distance behind her. And if you follow her path, the first thing she did was put that big log pile between Roger and her. In other words, she went to the castle and moat position. The castle and moat uh, idea is this uh, hypothesis that we have that seems to be holding up to the data, by the way, that um, whenever Sasquatches are uh, posting themselves up somewhere or observing humans or immediately seen, they always try to put something between you and it, uh, between the Sasquatch and the observer. And so the Sasquatch be like in the castle and there would be a moat between it and the observer, a castle and moat. So, um, Patty did exactly what we would expect Sasquatches to do, which means put something in between she and the observer as quickly as possible, and then, uh, use that, uh, obstacle to put some distance between the two. Um, it seems like that would be the fastest way to make her feel safe. Now, there's no reason for her to move like a spider and get all creepy and stuff in that situation. Whenever I hear about Sasquatches moving in such a weird, creepy, spider-like manner, it's always at night. It's always at night, like they're trying to hide, and they're down below things, and they're slinking between rocks and all
1: that sort of the deal. Boba, have you heard anything different? Well, just that one from you about that biologist saw that one in Northern California and sunned itself on a rock and then it took off like a spider in daylight.
0: Oh yeah. With the long, weird, creepy limbs and everything. It's like, a, he, he said the thing had an eight or 10 foot arm span. It was pretty intense. Um, a big, tall, skinny, orange looking orangutan looking thing. Um, and it went between these two rocks. Um, that, that the guy was shocked the thing could fit between these two rocks. Um, but I heard some stuff from bumping Lake about somebody who saw a smaller one, like a four or five footer getting all down and low. Like it was trying to hide, but there was something to hide behind. And he's, this person described it as a spider moving around and he could only see it because it was silhouetted against a white trailer that it was standing by. It was a little distance away from him, if I remember correctly, but yeah, this, they move all weird and creepy sometimes, but I think it's to stay out of sight.
1: Yeah. I've heard about them moving like that, like their elbows and their butts up higher than their, the rest of them like their chest and stomach are right down by, you know, inches from the ground And they're moving like that spider move. I've never seen it, but it's been described to me so many times. You can just, I can just envision it and it makes sense. And it also shows like how fast they can move. I mean, I've talked to people that said like, you're going to be like a human running at a slow pace or medium pace is how fast they can move on their belly. Like with their belly just inches off the ground. Amazing athletes. and Because these things
0: weigh, I mean, I think a, a six-foot-tall Sasquatch weighs three, 400 pounds or more. And just to keep that mass above the ground with all four of its limbs, even though it's not really made for that, you know, it's not really made like a quadruped. Just the, the sheer strength these things must have to
1: move with any agility and speed at all on all fours. It's astounding. Yeah, I think when, when it comes out that they're real and they're studied, I think what's really going to blow people away is, A, that they're there, but also – How fast they can move. I mean, I've talked, there's been tons of, you know, people have clocked them in vehicles and they said they didn't even pull away from them until they got going like freeway speed, like 50, 55, 60. And they said they finally pulled away from it. But I've, I've talked to lots of people that said they, you know, they actually had the Bigfoot gain on them and they were driving like at
0: 45. You know, uh, Kathy Strain, which uh, who has been a guest on our show, of course, Kathy and Bob, but they've both been a guest on the show. When the, the Sasquatches that they described to us on the episodes, and our listeners can go back and listen to those episodes if they want. These two, I think it was two, that they saw running uphill at Area X. Kathy once uh, once described to me, and actually shortly after she saw it, I called her and talked to her about it. Uh, Kathy described to me the speed and the way she didn't put a number on it, you know, like 35 or 40 miles an hour. What she said was, it was horrifyingly fast, and um, it was like... If she, if, you, if she took a bungee cord and stretched it until there was no more stretch and then let it go, that's how fast these animals ran uphill. Um, another guy, Robbie, the guy you spoke to on Finding Bigfoot Bobes, who saw the Sasquatch at that hairpin turnover by Gordon Creek, um, he, does, he said the thing ran uphill faster than he'd ever seen any human run on flat ground. Amazing speed and agility. Yeah, that's just speed. That's just it's crazy. Um, and Bob Strain, he went. I, I remember when I talked to him about his sightings, and I don't think he said this on the podcast, but this is just be, you know when I called Bob to ask him about what he saw after I heard he saw one. Um, he told me that uh, he was never afraid of him until he saw him run uphill, and that's when he goes, "Oh my God, what are we, what are we doing?"
1: Yeah, yeah, he saw the spider movement. He's the first guy I talked to that ever told me about the spider movement, like that one that crossed the road on its belly. Oh, that's right. He described it as like an oil slick sliding across the road. Yeah, yeah, that's right. That's right. Forgot about that. Question. We got a question from Eugene Snyker. Message Once Sasquatches are proven without a doubt, what is the next step? Well, I think it's to, to yeah, to learn about
0: them. Really? Uh, yeah. Cause I, and I, I'm foregoing the discovery step. I'm trying to learn about them now. Uh, I think that's what most bigfooters should be doing at this point, unless you're carrying around a gun and you actually want to prove this thing. I'll, I'll let that, I'll, I'll let the, the gun folks deal with the proving part of it. I'm trying to learn what they're doing, where they're going, what their needs are, why they go there and where they might be in the future. Um, mostly because I, I'd like a you know, to encounter them for myself, I guess. But really, that, that that's going to be the step eventually anyway, what their needs are, a thorough ecological study of the creatures themselves so we can find out how humans are impacting them or, frankly, if humans are impacting them at all. I'm not sure we can do a lot to really affect them very much, but maybe we're doing something that kind of really screws with them. I don't know.
1: We're doing something that pisses them off. or We don't know what, but on the whole and hole we don't impact them that much at all. People are like, we're doing this and that. I'm like... No way. They're, they're seen around civilization closer than you can imagine, more often than you can think of. I mean, around Washington State, they're seen so close to major metropolitan areas. Like they, they'll go down like waterways a, a mile deep into like suburbs. You know, what I mean, and I, I just don't think we have that big an impact on them besides shooting at them. Yeah, yeah, I think that's about
0: it. I mean, I guess we could poison their water or pollute their land or do something like that. Or as I mentioned earlier, you know, paving places over to make it harder for them to reach other pockets of uh, their same species. But um, yeah, I, I think that the, we're going to have to study how they are, how they live, um, how. They exist, not if, but how they exist. We have ideas about what kind of food they like, but you know how do we affect their food sources, for example? Um, and I think that's got to be the next step because we we're going to need to do something. We may have to modify our own behavior a little bit in order to help their population. Um, and I, I'm I'm happy to do so. I hope everybody else would be happy to do that as well. Yeah, I think so. All right, next question is from Heather Dale. Some Bigfoot researcher people talk about the great videos or photos of prints that they have that are so clear that they will send them over to the host to have a look. And I wonder, why are these pictures not shared with everyone? If there is so much real proof these creatures exist, why does the Bigfoot community keep it all to themselves? Well, you put up stuff, don't you, Cliff? Yeah, I try to put up some stuff. I I haven't been kind of ignoring my website for the last year or so. I, I did revamp it, but um, I've been kind of ignoring posting and stuff like that because I've been too busy. But for the most part, um, I think people are hesitant to put photographs and stuff out because they don't want the attention. You know, well, let's let's mention the uh, the uh, the Oklahoma photograph that I mentioned earlier in the in the in the broadcast. We reached out to those people to be on Finding Bigfoot. From what I understand, the producers told me this. And uh, they said, "Hey, you got a great picture. Can we can we can we use it for the show? It'd be fun." And they go, "No, no, I don't, I don't want to. Uh, I don't want the attention." And the producer said, "Well, I'll tell you what. I'll pay you more money, and, and we'll blur your face and change your voice. No one will ever know it came from you." And the lady goes, "No, no, no. I don't want. I don't want your money. I don't want the attention. I, I got my reputation to worry about. All I want is to be able to hunt my property and not be afraid. And you can't give me that." And she never came on the show. Um, In fact, to this day, uh, um, and I have her information, I've just i never even spoken to her still. I tried to call her a few times, she won't pick up, et cetera, but I love the picture. But um, I think that's it. I think it has to do with they don't want ridicule, they don't want heckle, they don't want complications in their life. Um, And I think that's part of it. As far as Bigfoot researchers go, why they don't share stuff, I I think there's a couple reasons, actually, especially if they're involved in it. One of the reasons, and and jump in, Boves, if you think I'm incorrect, or yes, if they add on this, and I think you may, or if you agree with it, I think that a lot of Bigfoot researchers don't share their stuff for fear that it could be proven wrong, and because if you don't share your evidence, then you have that story no matter what. But if you share your evidence and find out that that photograph of a footprint is from a double-stepping bear, well, then suddenly, then you don't have a Bigfoot thing. You don't have a Bigfoot story anymore. And I think that's kind of hurtful to people's ego in some ways, is that they don't want to share their stuff because as long as they don't share it, then they have that thing. They have that story. They have their credibility as a Bigfooter. Whereas if they share it, maybe they're going to get shot down and they'll feel bad about it or embarrassed or something like that. Their ego, ego will get hurt in some sort of ways. Um, And I've seen this a lot throughout the community for many, many years. Um, But I think it's important to share your stuff and get shot down. I mean, look at the London cast. I I said on TV they were real, and it turns out I was wrong. Um, I'm I'm lucky enough that I'm the one who said it was wrong. (laughs) I, I corrected myself. But still, there's nothing wrong with being wrong, and things should be shared because that's uh, without a formal academic review sharing your stuff and listening to the criticisms uh, is essentially as close as we can get right now in the Bigfoot community to to academic peer review you know people should be able to see stuff and come to their own conclusions and say well have you thought about this could it be a human because of this feature could it be a bear print because of this feature i think it's important to share stuff at least with your colleagues As far as publishing stuff goes, well, that's a lot of problems because you got to ask permission from the photographer and all this other stuff. And there's a lot of complications there. But um, your stuff should be kind of tossed around to your inner circle to see what other people think, in my opinion.
1: Yeah, I always send them to Cliff. I I get track photos. I send them to you. I appreciate that. Yes. So what's our next question? Casper Safransky, message, what is the single best piece of evidence to come out of finding Bigfoot in your opinion? Hmm. Well, let's see. Um, I, I think that there's a couple
0: categories we need to talk about here. Like, First of all, stuff that we uncovered or stuff that was brought to us. I think that's a big differentiation there. The Georgia tracks you got might be the, the best. Yeah, I, th- I think the Georgia tracks are, are pretty intriguing. Other than that, a couple of the recordings, I guess, that we got. Because what else did we really get? We got a bunch of recordings of Sasquatches, and we got um, the, the, the tracks... There were a couple other photographs. I, I still think those photo. I still think those footprints that Renee got out in Montana that she didn't cast. I think those would have been pretty interesting, because um, the photograph looked pretty good to me. But yeah, I don't know, because really, what did we? What did we actually uncover except for that? Not a lot, right? But the stuff that came to us and that was was brought to us. I thought some of that stuff was pretty cool. I think the Duhon photograph deserves a second look. I think that uh, it's it's on my website, CliffBarrickman.com, if you want to check it out. And my analysis of it, remember the one standing by that deer, uh, the, the, the deer blind? Oh, yeah, that was great. Yeah, I think that's pretty intriguing. It doesn't look like a person to me. And whatever it is, it's pretty big. The stop sign, Sasquatch in the snow up there. Oh yeah, yeah. Ian Gill, a young a young gentleman from uh, Vermont, I believe, took, or maybe it's New York, but one of the two is around the border there. He got that picture right outside Green Mountain in Vermont. I think that's a very intriguing picture that everybody else like thought it was fake right away. And it turns out upon further investigation, well, that thing's awful big. Maybe it's not. Maybe it's not
1: fake. Yeah, I, was I don't remember saying like, "You look at not kick your ass kid bringing this fake joke like that." And then you look at it and go, "Oh, I think it's real." I'm like what? And I looked at it. You you looked at it and like that could be real. And you went out there and you said, it looks like it was real. I was like, wow. Yeah. I remember when he came in there, you're all, cause he was,
0: I think he was a senior in high school at the time. And, yeah, and, and I remember you and Moneymaker and I think even Renee were saying, no, he's just, he's just a high school kid messing with us and stuff. And, and my thought was like, well, I don't know. I mean, maybe. Um, but at the very least, I know I can make good TV out of it because I'll go out there and if it's not real, I'll say that, look, this isn't real and it'll be good TV, a nice confrontational sort of thing on television. Um, and, and I went out there and lo and behold, the thing was seven feet tall. And it it did have the right had this right shape and, and all that stuff. And it's like it was as big as the bottom of the stop sign it was standing next to. And, of course, the stop sign was still there. And I measured it and all that jazz. I'm like, oh, my God, maybe this is real. And I'm so glad I went. I'm so glad I went. And I think that is something... That all bigfooters can kind of take to heart is like, yeah, maybe you're, you know, go look at it, get your first impression, but follow through with it anyway, because you never know what we're overlooking or what didn't jump out to us right away. You never know what further investigation might yield. Okay, well, the next question here is from Tom Drake. Have either of you ever been out in the field and felt extreme fear? I really appreciate the podcast. Well, thank you, Tom. Sure. Appreciate that comment. Um, I felt extreme fear, Bobs, at the water spot, actually, before you and I ever went there. Oh, yeah. Yeah, the first time I ever stumbled upon the water spot. If you don't know what the water spot is, Bobo and I had some pretty intense nights there with a small group of Sasquatches. Um, Over the years, we found footprints there, tree breaks. um, We've been screamed at. Um, Crazy stuff has happened there. It, It was a really, really good location for a long, long time. I've been there for a while, so I don't know if it's still going off or not. But when I first stumbled across the area, I drove into my truck, and I can't remember what year this was. God, it must have been 2010 or something like that, or maybe even earlier. I'm not sure. But um, somewhere in there, 10, 2008, 2009, maybe. I don't know. I drove in there and I, and I saw a tree break that I found interesting. And so I, I got out of the car. The tree break was 50 yards from the car. I just happened to catch my eye. And I went up and turns out the tree break was on a trail. And it was right where a 90 degree turn and that animal trail happened. So I followed the animal trail in the direction of the, the, the Of the break in the tree. And 50, 60, 70 yards down, I found another tree break right where the animal trail turned 90 degrees. And so I followed that trail, which is the same trail, down further. Sure enough, another 50, 100 yards down, I find another tree break at a 90 degree turn in the trail. So I just keep following it. And then I go down through this little ravine thing, and then I find 14 inch footprints. So and am oh, this is it. Game is on. This spot looks amazing. There's a swamp. There's meadows. There's all sorts of cool stuff here. I want to check this out. I'm all stoked. I'm headed back to the car. i going to set up my tent and spend the night there. About halfway back to the car, and I cannot explain why, I was just overcome with a feeling of fear and dread. And I, I just went like, holy crap, I can't sleep here. And I'm like, oh my God. And so I, what I did is I drove a few miles away to another nearby lake and was harassed by bears all night, three different bears and and um, and I and whatever, that was my night. Um, but basically I was overcome with some sort of like dread or fear at that spot that actually freaked me out bad enough. I couldn't sleep there, even though I had just found a footprint in a bunch of tree rakes. And I went to another spot and was harassed by bears and I was perfectly okay with it. So that makes me wonder, like infrasound that's what I'm thinking but I don't know I don't know so yeah I have been too afraid to stay someplace before and that and by the way that was like in the middle of a two week solo trip for me that was like second week of this two week solo trip where I wasn't camping with anybody I was out alone all that time and this one spot scared me
1: I mean I've definitely got the heebie jeebies a lot of times but like just total fear was my first encounter I talk about the five days before I had my first sighting I've told the story on here a hundred times but yeah, I was I was like hyperventilating, like just shaking, like it had tears I wasn't too, I think I got it actually because the I wasn't crying or anything, but they just had water coming out of my eyes and I was hyperventilating. It was and I was I was truly horrified at that point. I love that you say that I wasn't crying, but I had
0: water coming out of my eyes. <laughs> Did you like the fawns, <laughs> Bobs.
1: Thank you. <laughs> All right. Matthew Davis asked us Do you know why I can't find the Finding Bigfoot episode of Birth of a Legend anywhere? Well, I don't know why. Well, you know what? Now, I'm assuming, Matthew, that you're looking
0: on Discovery Plus. Now, a peculiar thing about Discovery Plus is that it has all of our episodes, except for the Bluff Creek one for some reason. I think it has to do with the, um, the rights to the PG film, actually. But it has all the other episodes. And actually, as I say that again, it doesn't have the behind the scenes stuff. Well, it has darn near most of the other episodes. I've been told that Birth of a Legend is not with the other episodes on Discovery+. Plus. And, and I, I verified that. I went on my own Discovery+, Plus and checked it out. Yeah, I'm a subscriber. But the thing is, I think that the Birth of a Legend, which is the episode where we go horseback riding with Bob Gimlin, and we do the Patterson-Gimlin film, I think that that one is not there for contractual reasons. Now, back in the day, we probably filmed that in, with 2013 or something like that, maybe 14 at the latest. But right around there, I was just say 2013. Um, there was a lot of negotiations with the Patterson estate, you know, with P- Patricia Patterson, Roger's widow, and whoever controls it now, um, and they. And there's a lot of carve outs, these little specific things in the contract. Um, like th- there's actually a carve out about repe- repeats. There's a carve out in the contract about commercials, like using the, the images and films on, on or the moving picture on commercials. There's uh, various contractual things about using it in, in I don't know, just. Uh, on DVDs. There's just a million little specific carve-outs that lawyers um, get paid far too much money to go over. And back then, there were no streaming services. And I I suspect that it has has a lot to do with usage rights on that kind of service, on streaming services. Yeah. Anyway, so that's probably, it's probably some lawyer stuff, some legal mumbo jumbo that, you know, that none of us would ever want to know about. So, okay. Well, the next question comes from Jennifer Trout. Do you guys have any theories on what the different Bigfoot calls, like whoops and screams and whistles, mean,
1: or what Bigfoots are trying to say? The whoops. There's been a couple of clear cases, like that Texas one where the the Bigfoot jumped out. The, the hunter was up there watching the hogs, and the female Bigfoot he it jumped 22 feet from a standing, just standing like broad jump, jumped 22 feet from tree to tree. And then jumped out and jumped on the pig, about a 200-pound boar. And she just jumped on its back and pounded it to death with her fist, just hammer-punching it, just bam, 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 bam. And then picked it up and started walking away. And when she did, she let out some whoops. Like, I got dinner, then she got return whoops from the tree line. And the guy watched it walk off. And I think it did a whistle, too. I, I can't remember now, but I know it tilted its head back. And I've heard that from other people. that When they see him vocalized, they tilt their heads back. Oh, that's interesting. A lot. Of, most people, of course, don't see them
0: vocalize. They just hear the vocalization. You know, I think that um, one of the things I noticed a, a long time ago, and um, like out at uh, uh, Blue Creek with you, for example, that night we had those things around, and in the morning they were knocking and doing stuff. And we've noticed it on expeditions a lot of time is that when something changes, a lot of times there's a knock going on. Like when you somebody first drives into an area, or if maybe one of the party leaves an area. There's often a knock immediately following it, if a Sasquatch is nearby, that is. And I think that's kind of a heads up to the other Sasquatches in the area that, hey, something significant has changed. And to add to that, um, there was a study published, you know, probably about five or eight years ago now or something, um, about these gorillas that live in swamps in Rwanda. Um, and the researchers noted that when they entered the swamp area, when they entered the habitat, the territory of these gorillas, the gorillas would clap at one another like, like, like The females would let out a couple loud claps or maybe just one clap to notify the other troop members that the researchers were there. And I think that's what we're looking at with the Sasquatches too. There's already a precedence here with the other great apes um, that some of them, gorillas in this case, do that behavior. When somebody enters their area or something changes, they clap to one another. Now, I've said for a long time that I think Sasquatches are not only knocking wood on wood, but they're also clapping. And so this would be no different whatsoever than uh, these Rwandan swamp gorillas um, who are doing a, an exact same behavior. So I, I, think that, I think in some cases, at least,
1: it's that. And as far as localizations, I think the Ohio House uh, locator, like, where are you? I'm here. I think that's what that is. Uh, we assume it's big males doing it. You know, I think a lot of it is, I'm here. Where are you? Yeah, it's, it's, it's location
0: yeah and sometimes i think it's annoyance too i mean there's been a few times that i've been out someplace um where it just sounds like a grumbly old man is like you know complaining about us like Rah! sort of just complaining that we're there and um i think it's sometimes it might just be annoyance like what are you guys doing here up yours stay tuned for more bigfoot and beyond with cliff and bobo we'll be right back after these messages Your online checking account should not cost you money. And that's why Chime, an award-winning app and debit card, has no overdraft fees, foreign transaction fees, monthly service fees, or transfer fees. They have over 60,000 fee-free in-network ATMs at locations like Walgreens, 7-Eleven, CVS, and probably tons of other places if you look close enough. You can also send money to anyone, even if they are not on Chime. So no hidden fees for you or cash out fees for them. So it's time to say goodbye to hidden fees. Join the millions of Americans already loving Chime. Sign up takes only two minutes and doesn't affect your credit score. Get started today at Chime.com Bigfoot. That's Chime.com slash Bigfoot. Banking services provided by and debit card issues by the Bancorp Bank or Stride Bank, N.A., members of FDIC. Out-of-network ATM withdrawal fees apply except at MoneyPass ATM in a 7-Eleven location and at any Allpoint or Visa Plus Alliance ATM. Other fees such as third party and cash deposit fees may apply.
1: Okay, what's the next question here, Bobs? Doug Keeler asks us. I love your podcast. I was listening the other day, and Bobo was talking about the how people for, report a finding a body to the wrong people, like law enforcement, the government, and the evidence thing gets covered up. In the unlikely event that I come across a body, who should I report it to? Well, that goes without saying, us. Us. Uh, yeah, clearly
0: Cliff and Bobo are the uh, ultimate authorities in this situation, um, always report it to us.
1: I'd say just um, anything but law enforcement or uh, officials, I mean, bring maybe a, a local newscaster out there or something like that, you know, or a local reporter, someone that, you know, has good uh, camera equipment and document as much as you can and take chop off a finger and a toe or, you know, take a couple parts of it, if you, you know, if, if you've got a knife on you or at least at the least grab handfuls of hair document everything, photographs,
0: you know, pictures with your phone, videos with your phone, um, bring somebody you trust out there to see it, you know, and talk about it and then just go over the whole thing. Videotape absolutely everything. It's the most important thing you could ever videotape in your life. Far more important than videotaping the birth of your son or daughter. I mean, forget them. They're going to turn against you anyway. Go Sasquatch. Like you have to videotape everything about this. Um, and of course, then cut off a couple body parts. And it's grotesque. This is nasty, man. I'm not, I mean, I'm not going to try to fool you, but it's already dead. Cut off a couple fingers and disperse them, hide them, put them somewhere where no one will ever find you, find it. Um, and that's because if somebody denies this ever happened, you can pull it out. Oh, they take that from you. That's fine. You got a couple other fingers hidden around anyway. Um You should get uh, probably media attention as soon as possible and bring the reporter out to the site um, so they can say, absolutely, I saw this. And then because media is, you know, like they they like their attention. um, They're going to try to get as much attention on it as possible. And then, of course, contact uh, probably at some point when you have enough little pieces of it hidden here and there and you have contingency plans in place, contact, I would, you know. Dr. Meldrum, I'd go to. I'd personally go to Jeff because Jeff is a good, honest person who is interested in the um, in, in the subject and the science behind it, and he will get it documented right. Um, and if you can't get a hold of Jeff, contact us. We know how to get a hold of everybody. We need to. Uh, we can get stuff DNA tested. If 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 it's we're not going to pay for it because you think it's Bigfoot, but if you say yeah, I got this and here's the absolute proof and there's no doubt whatsoever, the media knows about it. We 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 can put you in the right direction. If you can't find the right avenue, we can help you. We have a lot of resources.
1: You get a hold of us. We're flying there the next flight. We'll be there that day. As long
0: as it's legit and you can actually uh, show us that. We're not going to go out on a hunch. I know where they are. They're they're knocking in the hollow behind my house. Not good enough. I have a dead body and here's a piece of it and here's some uh, irrefutable video evidence of me poking at it and dissecting a couple of the arm. Yeah, done deal. We'll, we'll take if care of it. If it's
1: real, yeah, I mean... We got the connections. I mean, we'll have freezer truck out there or whatever. I mean, we'll get it and get it into a lab where it can get dissected before it gets seized. I'd get control of it and then get it to Meldrum or call Jeff. And if he knew someone, you know, if it's down in Florida, you know, someone down there that's amenable to the whole subject that's on our side, bring it to someone like that. Or the first thing first would be to preserve it, you know, get it into some kind of freezer unit, something like that. Yeah. And keep it under wraps, I guess, you know, don't tell a lot of people about it, but until you're ready to go absolutely full on 100% public with it. The other thing too, is that you got to keep in mind is that depending how fresh it is and this and that, if, uh, if you don't take any body parts with you right then you could very well come back and uh, there's other family troop members around. They'll, they will, uh, I'm convinced they will carry it off and stash the body. You'll never see it again. So take something. I mean, even if it's just a clump of hair, Take something, but try to get a fingers, toes, something like that. Yeah, because even the smallest bit of flesh, you know, it, like something
0: of as one cubic centimeter can yield enough DNA evidence to say, yeah, this is the real deal. Um, and, and, and remember the DNA tests are not cheap. They're four or 5,000, 6,000 bucks. But remember, if you have this thing, if you really have a dead one and you can, you cut off a finger and bring it back and you go back and okay, the Sasquatch has moved in and removed the, the, its body, which is a real possibility. Bobo's convinced of it. I'm way open to it. It's a real possibility that that could happen. That's what's really important to get a chunk of the animal out. Um, because the homo Denisovans were, were discovered from DNA alone okay that's really important if you can get a chunk of it out and you are so sure that a Sasquatch then you know what a four or five thousand dollar DNA test will be a small investment because you're gonna make that money back on interviews and a book or whatever whatever financial gain you can see out of this you're gonna earn that back but the only way to that point is basically you know you kicking down for a four to ten thousand dollar DNA test right. Yeah, and I, I, mean, I hate to talk money about the whole thing, but it's true. Um, there there are financial interests in this. Um, and again, I'm not trying to shoot them. I don't really care about that sort of stuff. I'm trying to learn about them. Um, but there is no other way forward. There is no other pathway to discovery other than taking a dead one. But if one falls in your lap or one gets in front of your car and you run it down and you drop it, um, or, if, or if you shoot one of these things, take the biggest piece you can carry, get out – Tell somebody, uh, notify us. We'll keep it quiet. We'll get somebody out to the scene. We have a network of people all throughout the country. We need to get somebody there to verify it before the next step can
1: be taken, essentially. And if you have a Bigfoot body part, you're going to—I mean, I, we wouldn't try to make any money off it. I mean, but the person who got found it and brought it in, they would, that would be that story alone would be worth millions. I mean, and if you had video footage, you had video footage of the body before it got taken away— that'd be worth millions. I mean, literally millions. You could, you could make a documentary that would blow, you know, be the all time most popular documentary ever. If he had a Bigfoot, you know, body that actually gets dissected and classified and all that. But that all depends on it. proving, having been proved proven real
0: eventually. Right. Otherwise you're, otherwise you're just another one of these clowns on, on, you know, on YouTube saying you got something that you can't substantiate. So,
1: well, yeah, I mean, if, if it, if it's, if it's real and it's substantiated, it would be, very profitable for them. Yeah. Yeah. So
0: do everything you can to get that proof contacts, you know, I'd say you have a handful of people eventually when you're ready to go public, but otherwise kind of keep it quiet until there's enough people who say, like, no, Cliff, this is real. This is the real deal. You need to get down here or, um, then, then we can go to Jeff.
1: Yeah. Keep your mouth. Don't tell anybody. Like, I mean, word like that spreads so fast. You just, you really can't tell anybody.
0: Yeah, don't tell your neighbors. Contact somebody who can get it uh, validated, and then um, eventually we'll get some academic eyes on it, and then they'll take care of everything else, and we'll be swept aside.
1: Uh, that's my one chance to see it, is If if uh, someone contacts me, then because I'm certainly not going to get invited to the lab to help dissect it or anything like that. You can't imagine why they wouldn't want us there, Bubs. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Okay, this is the last question of the day, Bobes. I hope you enjoyed this episode as much as I have. I enjoy these sort of things. And this question comes from Rabid Sasquatch. At the end of Finding Bigfoot, the search continues. You guys filmed an upright figure following you in the woods for a bit before it disappeared, and it wasn't talked about much. What can you tell us about it and what it could have been? What did Renee
1: think? Dude, I'm convinced I was a Squatch. And they cut out a whole other part. We had a um, a, a big. I'm, I'm sure it was a big but It was so big, it came up behind us from the opposite direction. While that was going on, a bigger one came up behind us. But there was power lines right behind us, and those guys had never flown that. They didn't see the terrain before we got there, when it was dark, they had never even practiced flying it at night. It was like a thirty-five thousand dollar thermal. They had just crashed their old fifteen thousand dollar one, wrecked it, and they just bought this one like with a company loan. And they were just so cautious. It was. It was killing me because they were, they were so afraid to get near the power lines, but they were up at like 300 feet. I'm like, power lines aren't 300 feet. You can go right over them, no problem. They, they would just would not go near them. And then the one where you were at, I, I think they just broke off too early because they were worried about the battery. But they, when the thing landed, there were still eight minutes of battery left. I think we could have hovered and figured out what was going on. But I'm, I'm, I'm convinced those were squatches that night. Well, you know what? That
0: that one night, that one night investigation, we were actually in two locations, which uh, doesn't come. F- doesn't really isn't very made very clear in the episode and the first location we were um going up this valley in a place where there had been a sasquatch report the previous week so we we were on a good we're in a really good area real fresh area um and i was up on the ridge and bobo was at base camp with the guys the drone guys and then um matt and renee were down below walking the parallel to me I heard knocks from up above, and then I think they I heard him. I think they heard him down there too. I could be wrong about that, but at some point there was something in between us. And Bobo had it. Bobo had eyes on it. You had eyes on this thing, Bob's, and it was walking through the brush in between us. And God, there was only 350, 400 yards between the two groups. Um, and I was looking like crazy to try to find this thing. And I just never could put my eyes on it in the therm. But it sure looked like something that walking upright. What did you see there, Bubs? Can you tell us? Because you're the only one who saw it. Um, we were in the woods trying to get eyes on it, never could. But you actually saw the thing through the drone's eyes. What did you see?
1: Um, but the, the same thing that you guys saw. Well, I, I don't know. Uh... Well, remember you were the the first one, the first one that in the, in the Valley. Okay. The first one in the Valley. I mean, I saw what you guys saw. It was on a, I didn't see anything, you know? No, I mean when you saw it later. Oh, okay. So it was just uh, it was exciting, you know, because we saw lots of deer. We don't show everything we saw, you know, when they edit it, They, they don't show us going. there's a deer, there's a deer, there's a deer. So we'd seen a lot of deer and then this thing was not a deer and it, it, maybe it was a really, really steep slope and it was a bear, you know, walking up, which I doubt because it never like turned vertical, like a horizontal, you know, you never saw like a profile. It never looked like it was on all fours. It always, it always appeared to be upright and, the, and it moved to the left going up the hill. You know, if it was a quadruped, it, it, it wouldn't walk sidestepping. You could, I mean, you could make the argument that, it was, well, it was a quadruped. It just was sidestepping and it never turned, you know, profile to, you, know, it was like, that's just not possible out in that kind of terrain. I mean, it was so steep and rugged. I mean, it was it was that was some rough terrain. It it had to be bipedal.
0: Yeah, I remember you saying, like, whatever it is, it's walking on two legs. And I was going out of my mind up there. It's like, okay, it's walking in my general direction. I can see the other group three or four hundred yards away. It's between us. This is it. This is it. We're gonna get it on on film. And then the thing just dropped away and totally disappeared to everybody. I mean the thing had to hide under a log or something. There's so much downfall in that area. I'm, I'm assuming it is hid underneath a log. That's that's
1: exactly what it looked like cuz you could barely you could barely make out that there was something like that some down timber there. And I think it just yeah, got underneath the little little hiding spot under there and just maybe it heard the cl- uh, drone got too close maybe or you got cuz I mean it was I think it was within 40 50 yards of you guys at one point. Yeah, that's what you were saying at the time. It was
0: very, very exciting though, I'll tell you. And at the end of the day, we got, like I said on the episode, we we got potentially the very, very first thermal blob squatch from a drone. <laughs> and we did it on camera too. That's kind of cool.
1: And I wish I could have been the guy running that drone because I would have got down and really, you know, try to get some answers. Oh yeah, if you if you were if you were flying that drone, it isn't nothing against you know Rob
0: and the guys who were flying the drone. They did a great job, and they're going to get better and better as time goes on. But um, man, I, I don't know. Can you do wheelies in a drone, Bobes? I think you're the man to tell us that.
1: Probably an accident.
0: <laughs> well, well, there you go. So uh, that's what that's what we know about what uh, what happened there. And as far as what Renee thought, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, you probably have to ask Renee. I guess she probably doesn't think it's a Bigfoot because to her, they're not real. Um, She was excited. She was excited, yeah. And, and, you know, what else would have been out there walking upright out there, man? There's no trails. That's nasty stuff out there. No, and we had Sasquatch uh, activity in that same valley just literally days before, like within a week of us being there. So I, I I think it was probably a Sasquatch.
1: Because uh, and we went there last minute. No one knew we were going there. We we didn't know where we were going exactly till like last minute. We had a few different options, and we just picked that one at the at the end. So it wasn't like someone was out there like, "Oh, these guys are coming and try to fool them." It wasn't that. Yeah, a lot of times, and that's something that people don't appreciate about the show
0: is that a lot of times we didn't know where we were going until the maybe the day before that day. Um, we, we got permitted for a lot of different areas, so we kept our options open and then made a decision based on the most recent information, which sometimes was a day or two before. So we would never even know where we're going to go until that day oftentimes, or certainly the night before. So uh, it's an important thing to remember when you watch the episodes, because people think that maybe there are hoaxers out there or other
1: people. And in and, and
0: the vast majority of the cases, there was nobody else there. So.
1: It's always fun to answer the listeners' questions, you know, because we know we we know they got them. So it's good to get it out there. And instead of just answering person, you know, individually by email, we can get reach thousands of people this way. Yeah, and
0: I, I like the participation aspect of this, where we have we have we do have a good body of listeners now, and um. Uh, and, and they are participating in the episode, maybe get to hear their name shout out or get a lot of people probably have these same questions as well. So I really enjoy these sort of uh, episodes. And if you guys want to keep keep them coming, go to the website, bigfootandbeyondpodcast.com, push the contact button, and either submit your own questions for us for next next time we do this, or just let us know if you like it or not. Let us know if you don't like it. Let us know your thoughts. We care because, you know, we're, we're Cliff and Boba, of course, but we're part of the community. You know, we're accessible. We're at these uh, events. We're out there bigfooting. We're online. We're easily found. So, you know, participate with us. Uh, if you want to hear us ask a question on your behalf, you, your maybe your grandma has something that they want to know, like, let us know. Let us know. Bigfootandbeyondpodcast.com. Go to the contact and shoot us
1: an email, please. Yeah. Thanks for all the questions, everyone. We appreciate that. And also, don't forget, send some prayers and love to Jeff the Crypto Hulk Stewart down in Texas. Um, We love you, brother. And until next week, folks, keep it squatchy.
0: Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Bigfoot and Beyond. If you liked what you heard, please rate and review us on iTunes.